Welcome to the 57th episode of Two Writers Slinging Yang. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm a former Sports Illustrated senior writer, former ESPN columnist, author of multiple New York Times bestsellers, and a columnist for The Athletic. The music you're listening to is Croissant's Master by the great MC White Owl. And this podcast is an ode to writing in all its forms, from journalism to songwriting to screenwriting to novels to romance to comics to whatever genres I'm thinking of. And today, my guest is Emily Block, the youngest Yang slinger to date. Emily covers Southwest Broward County for the South Florida Sun Sentinel, which means rotary meetings, fireworks shows, lost monkeys, really lost monkeys. It also meant day after day of helping with her paper's fantastic coverage of the Parkland shootings, an experience she'll never forget. Emily also has some amazing stories from her time as editor of the Florida Atlantic University student newspaper, including the local daily plagiarizing her stuff and fraternity members threatening her after unfavorable reporting of a party that involves sexual assault. One more thing, this was recorded live on a recent night at the Floridian, a diner on Las Olas in Fort Lauderdale. So the music, the silverware, the waitress, it's all legit. Anyway, let's chat with a young writer scratching and clawing her way up right now on Two Writers Slinging Yang. Emily. Hey. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. When you reached out to me, you first reached out to me in 2015. Mm-hmm. You were a writer at Florida Atlantic. You were an editor of the student newspaper. You wanted some some advice. And, and I wrote you this thing back. And this is what I wrote. I actually found it. Oh, I went God. back into messages. And because you were very like, you were very like, uh, you were like, you know, but you were kind of like uh, Mr. Perlman, blah, 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 blah. And I wrote back. Yeah, this is literally what I wrote. You know how when you're in college, you look at older journalists with this sort of, you know, tiptoe reverence. You know, Mr. Perlman, I really admire your work. And if you have a moment, and I wrote, but it's nonsense. Why are just people with keyboards writing? I don't mean as an arrogant statement. I just mean I get all the time, Mr. Perlman, if you wouldn't mind. And I'm just some guy, right? So here you are now. You write for the Sun Sentinel. You've been in the business for a year. Do you still have the same reverence for journalists professional journalist now that you are a professional journalist you're 24 you're young you're new in the biz but do you have a reverence or are you kind of like now oh yeah they're just a bunch of hacks just like me it's half and half I mean I look at a lot of my co-workers and peers as oh you're you're my equals and we can talk about these stories and break them down but I mean I still get starstruck like anyone else I'll be at a convention Marty Baron was speaking at a convention and I was just like oh let me fall at his feet. Tell me more. Talk about spotlight. You know. So right. I just I think it depends on the situation, and you want to look up to people. And yeah, just depends. Right. I get it. It's kind of interesting though. Like, um, I just I think it's an interesting thing. Like over the years, I remember coming up. I remember being literally in your shoes, and um, it'd be like uh, it'd be like. Oh, Mr. Whoever, you know, Mr. So-and-so, whoever. And, uh, oh, here, we can order. Hello. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're ready. Yeah. Can I get a veggie burger, please? Yeah. And then it comes with one side. Yes. Fries, please. Thank you. Can I get a Greek salad? Greek? Yep. Want anything on it? No, just a Greek salad. Okay. Are they big? Decent? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Good. I have faith. Veggie and french fries. Yeah. Cool. And then Thank iced you. tea, please. Unsweet or sweet? Unsweet. Thank you. That's funny, you know you're in the South because in the North, they never ask unsweet or sweet. They just yeah. assume unsweet. Or you say sweet tea. Like, I get um, right. people like rank on me all the time. They're like, why did you say iced tea? Like, right. you say sweet tea or you specify unsweet tea. There's no neutral party. I'm like, that, no. You feel, you feel I wanna offended. Hear, yeah, I want to hear the options. And we're not in the true South. We're in 
Florida, Florida which so, is the north south. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. I can say what I want to say. Right. Am I allowed to? Am I allowed to know that we're sitting here in Fort Lauderdale, and when I think of Fort Lauderdale, I think of um, I was just telling the waitresses before. I think of the Jewish migration. Are you Jewish? You're Jewish. Oh, yeah. Right. So like, my grandparents came here from Brooklyn. Then every year we would come down. My parents spent half the year here now, and I feel like I broke the Jewish migration cycle by moving to California because I'm not going to go to from California. Do you feel like the Jewish migration is still is that still a big thing here? Oh, it's still Florida all the way. I it just is. did an interview with Paul Reiser, the comedian, oh, yeah. and he was talking about he's doing like a few stand-up acts right now, stand-up shows around the country, but they're okay. like very leisurely, like he does it every other weekend. He's talking about how like when he comes to Florida, he feels like he's plotting out, like he's spotting out his burial plot. And that's what he's looking for, like, because that's just what's in the stars. I was like, oh, that's nice. Did you get him on the phone or? Yeah, it was a phoner. All right, actually, let's go here. You get Paul Reiser on the phone. Go here. Yeah, because so when I was coming up, I actually I was looking over the articles that you write and a lot of your assignments. And like I have one printed out here, you know, Rotary Club of Weston awards 58 scholarship recipients. That's right. And you're like, uh, like you saw that story, and you're like, that's the one you're picking out, really? Oh, thank you. Thank you. And. Um, I was actually going to make fun of you for this because your lead is Audrey Gasker was all smiles as she walked through the different wings of Memorial Healthcare, and I was going to say, was she really all smiles? Like, was she smiles the entire time? I mean, look at her face. She's pretty like grinning. She's grinning hard. Yeah, she is grinning hard. She and like there were multiple photos, and she's pretty stoked. So she was happy. I mean, she just got a scholarship. It's hard to frown. Did you follow her into the bathroom to make sure she was smiling when she was at the bathroom? You know, I didn't. I could ask her though. I'll go back. Yeah, go back. All right. So what I was going to say though is like this reminds me very much of when I came out of college and I got hired at the Tennessean and I was doing like Brandy's coming to town it was a different era it's 20 years ago but Brandy's coming to town so get Brandy on the phone and talk to her and write a you know preview of her coming either Hootie and the Blowfish or whoever it is so you get Paul Reiser on the phone mm -hmm. you know you're doing a thing on Paul Reiser did you even know who Paul Reiser was? I did because of Stranger Things <laughs> is he in Stranger Things? yeah he's Dr. Sam Owens and he says that pretty much all of his fans now like anyone under 20, under 20 knows him because of Stranger Things and now they're going back and watching Mad About You wow mm -hmm. he was also an alien I don't know Alright, so here's and my... like two lines in Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, more than two lines. He was his partner. It was like... He covered for him. Nah, calm down. He drove the it car. It was a few lines. Yeah, it was a good movie. Um, actually, that wasn't a good movie if you look back. Anyway, so so um, you know you're getting Paul Reiser on the phone. Mm -hmm. This is actually interesting. I've never talked about this with someone. You're going to get, do they tell you you'll have 15 minutes with Paul Reiser? Like, how does that work? So it depends. Usually they'll tell you, like, here you have a 10-minute block or a 15-minute block. Um, I think in his case it was 20, if I'm correct. Um... Yeah, and the, it depends. Do you pay attention to that? Like, yeah. you literally do have a clock that you're looking at? No, not really. I, I let it, like, flow organically as much as it can, to be honest. And I'll try and get my, like, priority questions out of the way first and then have the lesser ones going down the line. You know what I mean? Just to make sure that, like, if I get cut off early, I'm not like, oh, crap, I'm so, waiting on this one money quote that I never got. So how much research did you do on Paul Reiser before you interviewed Paul Reiser? I did a good amount. I wanted to know, like, where he was going as far as his tour stops. And I knew that he had done a lot of Florida shows before, and I knew that they were talking about doing a Mad About You reboot, and I wanted to get some input on him from that, as well as Stranger Things. Stranger Things is so popular, and I feel, I was like, half of your fans weren't even, like, born when Mad About You was on, so how does that make you feel? And, you know, stuff like that. So, That's interesting. Yeah. It's funny because, um, it's actually really interesting. Aging is a weird thing, right? No, it actually is a weird thing. And like, I know, but you don't see it yet. Like you possibly will because, and I know that makes me sound like Grandpa Phil here, but like, it's so weird 
Like, Paul Reiser is in a really weird place right now where, how old is he, 70? 65? He's in his 60s, I believe. And he's like, he was just going to his kid's graduation ceremony. College. Actually, high school. High school. Mm-hmm. So, all right, he had kids a little late, but it's just like, it's a weird thing to be. It's a weird place to be. And I always think, like, it's a really interesting conversation point with people who are aging and kind of, like, he's at a weird place. He can't, he can't carry a show anymore. He's not, you know what I mean? Like, he's not a superstar. He used to be a star star. He was a top ten comedian. But you can't really ask him about that stuff, can you? Can you? I mean, he seemed pretty cool about it. Like, he wanted to keep talking. He was very flexible. Um, yeah, I think he would have been open to it, honestly. And I didn't want to, I didn't want it to be too morbid. He's already telling me he's, like, looking at grave sites, but... Um, you know, I want to talk about, hey, like, half of your fans now weren't even born. Right. How does that make you feel? And, like, what are you seeing now? And what, what do you talk about when you do stand-up now versus what you talked about 20 years ago? And he talked about how it's really just a progression of his life. He was very um, introspective that way, where he talked about, like, my show is really just my life, and this is how I've aged, and this is what I've seen. And he said, he gave me a line. He told me, what did he say? He said... I'm looking at all these photos over the years and the hair has gotten grayer and the waistline's gotten larger, but, and just yeah. was tripped out by that basically. Yeah. Cause it's a trippy thing. Mm-hmm. Factually, it's a trip. I can tell you sitting here at 46 is a weird, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing. It is a weird thing. Yeah. Um, can you, can you get a good interview off of 15 minutes? You know, like, all right, yes. so Paul, Re- you can. Cause I mean, Paul, Re- I just want to say like, uh, when I promote a book, just as an example, mm-hmm. I do 30 interviews in a row. I would literally sit in my house. Oh, here's the food. That's I was, fast. that was fast. Hold on, here we go. Thank you. Cool, thank you. Yeah, it's great. Thanks a lot, appreciate it. Okay, um, I will sit in my phone and I would do interview after interview after interview, you know, mm-hmm. about the same subject. And I'm sorry, Paul Reiser, today was press day for Paul Reiser or whatever. Yeah. So he probably did 30 in a row. Is there a way to get him to open up? You pull, I mean, I try and pull out, and I try not to say, oh, what are you doing right now with it, like, being so cliche? But I want to know, like, what they're doing and what they're up to and try and draw from that so it's not just the same five media questions he's heard all day. So he actually slipped that it, it was his kid's graduation that day. Oh. So I, I talked about that, and I was like, did your kids get you into Stranger Things? Because they're about the age of, like, the people watching it. And do you pull some of that into your act? Have they gone to Florida with you before? I try and pull from what their day-to-day life is like, what their schedule is like, what they're doing, what they're looking at, and add some of that color that I otherwise would. He just stole a fry. I, I did steal a french fry. I want to put that on the record. Yeah, that's fair. But you have to do it with the hot sauce ketchup combo. You only have 73 french fries. I feel like that is fair. <laughs> fair. No. Um. Yeah, it's pulling that color as much as you can and trying to get them to open up to you and trust you that way and just proving your credibility that you're not asking these five sterile questions that you did your homework and you want to know more about these like specific instances. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I look at what you've been writing yep. at the newspaper and it's all like very good and like good work and what? blah, blah, blah. No, there's no, there's no but. The only but is... Um, that's what it sounds like. No, well, there is a but in a way. The but is... Like, when you used to reach out to me from your college paper, it was, like, really exciting shit. It was like, this guy plagiarized me. We have a rape on campus. And now you're a pro. You cover... What's your... Your turf is a... Community News. For Southwest Broward County. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're writing about the Rotary Club winner. You're writing about the fireworks show. You're writing about... Is it... 
Is it still fun? Does it, it doesn't live up to what you wanted early journalism to be for you? Yes. Tell me why. Every day isn't going to be fireworks. When it is, you're going to know how to handle it because of things like the college newspaper. But I like that every day is different and I like that I'm learning more about my community and gain, gaining their trust because by doing that, then I'm getting to these fun, exciting stories. So yeah, I'm covering the Rotary Club and the city commission meetings and talking about the, the bonds for the turf and the AstroTurf and how people are upset about it in the new park. But because of that, those same soccer moms are coming to me and they're telling me about when they saw a monkey like walking through their town. And that I happen? covered that. Yeah, that that happened. Wait, there you did a story on a monkey going through town? Go look it up. There was a rogue monkey. A monkey, um, I forget the kind of monkey it is, but it's a random monkey that's part of this tribe of monkeys in Dania Beach. Um, and that monkey traveled 20 miles to Cooper City because it was rejected by its herd or tribe and was wandering through the Walmart parking lot and stuff. Seriously? And I got Yeah, seriously. And I got to track the monkey and talk to monkey experts. I've never talked to so many monkey experts. I didn't even know my town had that many. But stuff like that happens. Wait, wait, like, time out. Yeah. Let's go here. You find out about this story from a soccer mom. Yeah. Is that true? You found it from a soccer mom? It was from a mom in the community. Maybe yeah. a baseball mom. Could have been a baseball Possibly. mom. Possibly. Could have been. All right. What do you do? How do you how do you pursue that? That's good. Um, I first I asked where the hell is it because I want to go find the monkey and I tried and I could I could never you never interviewed the monkey. I never interviewed the monkey. I went to where the monkey had been, but I never got to see it in the flesh. But um, I talked to people that had. So I went through random neighborhoods. I talked to people that took pictures of the monkey. Um, and I talked to the monkey experts that were actually like tracking where it originally came from. And then I talked to um experts at Flamingo Gardens, which is a wildlife preserve that we actually have in that same city. And I was like, oh, this is jackpot, you know? So it just depends on the day. One day a monkey's going rogue and one day I'm at a city commission meeting. And how often are you in the office? Just depends. Um, I'm going Per week, tomorrow. would you say on average? Uh, uh, every day, every week's different, but um, two to three times a week, one to two times a week. It really just depends. Usually I'm in my car or filing stories from a cafe or wherever I can find Wi-Fi. Do you like going into the office? Because I used to hate going into the office. You know, I liked it at first, and I even, like, I my cubicle is so nice. I decorated my cubicle, and I have this nice little, like, organizer with Wonder Woman on it to hold my keys and my headphones for when I'm transcribing, and I have extra notepads, and it never gets, like, appreciated enough because I'm always on the road. And I don't even like being there anymore because even though it's such a nice, like, safe space that I decorated. I have a little light board that says seek truth and report because I'm a nerd. Yeah. Um, but it means that I'm not on the road like talking to someone in person. So It's funny. I could see some of your coworkers who are like, I've been through the fifth round of layoffs, who see Perky, new reporter, come along I'm and they're the like... the only cubicle that's decorated in that I, I am not surprised. They're like, ugh, I don't want a cigarette. Fuck. <laughs> the new kid. <laughs> and a Wonder Woman. That's right. Is there, do you like... I mean, journalism has been beaten up, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, like, newspapers are beaten up. Your paper's no exception. I mean, cutbacks and blah, 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 and there's different yeah. things. Like, do you sense at your newspaper optimism, negativity, hope, disappointment? We have a lot of camaraderie in our newsroom right now, and that's because we, we're, we were all hands on deck for Parkland. Parkland was 20 minutes away, half an hour away, so it was for weeks and weeks and I mean we're still covering it but I think we covered it so well but because of that we all had to get to know each other better and, and learn each other's schedules and be on call with each other all the time and eat together and sleep together and live together you know so I think 
there's a sense of hope that like journalism's going strong right now and we're doing the right things and not letting it die. So what was Parkland? What did you cover in Parkland, you specifically? I kept on my beat. So I was still on community news, but tried to make it more hyper-specific. So for instance, two of the kids that died were band kids. So I talked to the band director and then I talked to, I didn't actually get to talk to them. I heard through the grapevine that the band director at um, Newtown had sent over a letter to the band director at Parkland, like saying, we know what you've been through. And then from that, a bunch of different like marching band communities throughout the country were like retweeting, sending their love, taking pictures. So I covered things like that, stories within the story, right. reaction pieces. And what was that like? Hard, but really you know, inspiring at the same time. It was hard because I think for everyone, I mean, it's never fun to be in a newsroom when something like this happens. Mm -hmm. It's really hard and grinding. And when Pulse happened, I think a lot of us were hit by it because it was in our state. Right. But this was 20 minutes away, and it's 20 minutes away from the town I grew up in, and I knew victims. I didn't know of victims. I knew victims. And a lot of people I worked with, it was the same for them. So it was really hard. But I felt also like it was super cathartic because it meant I was doing something, you know? It was better than sitting idle by a thousand. It felt like I was doing something to contribute to the story and contribute to the push. I was doing compilations and roundups of local fundraisers and just anything I could that kept me from being idle and crying. Isn't it a weird... I always think covering tragedy is a really weird thing because yeah. you're super... All right, like I, I had on this podcast um, a cops reporter for one of the New York papers. And he was really unemotional about it all, right? Like, he was into, like, he, if he's covering a murder, he's super into the charge of it all, right? Like, it's just like, to him, it was like a charge. And he he didn't allow himself the time or the emotional whatever. Yeah. It's weird that you're putting hot sauce in your ketchup, but Have I will. Have you never done that? No. Try it. Really? So, you mix the ketchup with the hot sauce, and then you dip the fry in it. <laughs> Whoa. No, not a fan. Anyway, what? I don't like hot sauce, but if my wife were here, she'd be all over it. All right. All right, so, um... His thing was, like, you can't allow yourself the emotional tie because then you become something you don't want to be in a way. Like, it, it, but I don't know. I don't actually know. I don't know if I agree with that or not, so. I don't know if I agree with that or not. I also think it's different if you're a cop and you're working it every single day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have to imagine they see more tragedy than He was a cop reporter, not a cop. Oh, okay. He was a police reporter. But still, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like he... He gets the brunt of it harder than any of us other reporters will. Right. You know what I mean? So I think he has to remove himself more than the rest of us will. I feel like the rest of us are always going to have more empathy because that's not our day-to-day. -day. I mean, sure, I like I look at blotter items and things like that, but it's different. It's different when it's a national tragedy that's happening like down the road from you right. that we're all covering from different angles. So I don't know. I think part of it, it's natural to feel sadness and like you have to do something and I think it almost leads the charge to wanting to report more. Yeah. I think it it truly drove me to like do better work because I wanted to honor those victims properly and those families proper, properly. That's good. I actually was just thinking when you were talking that if I were doing, if I were an editor and you and I were on the staff and it was a Paul Reiser interview I would probably sign me over you but if I wanted someone to interview a bunch of high school students Without thought, I would pick you over me. The younger person. Of course. Yes. And do you feel like, do you feel like there's something to that? Do you feel like you yes. can connect to an 18-year-old in a way I probably cannot? 100%. Right after Parkland, 
um, those high school rallies that started, one was at my alma mater, and it was the day after. Then a weekend after, I think it was Memorial Day weekend. It was a it was a three day weekend. They all went in front of City Hall. It wasn't even a city that I cover normally, but it's the city I live in. I couldn't not be there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I called RME and I just said, Hey, like I'm going. No one else is covering it, and I live here, so I'm gonna be there, and I'll I'll file a story in an hour. Um, and I feel like those kids knew that they could talk to me because number one, I guess like even if I dress the part, I still look younger. You look younger than 24. You look like you're 20. Yeah. Yeah. And I look younger than any other like suit that's going to be there with a camera in their face. And I feel like I just, I know how to like talk to them because of that. And also my sister knew some of those kids that were protesting. So I think they see me as like an older sister in a way where they still know that this is on the record and I'm quoting you and I need you to talk to me like you would talk to any other reporter but at the same time like I I see where you're coming from I live in this town I know like you can cry in front of me and I'm not gonna judge you or think you're weird and you shouldn't be ashamed to do that so I definitely think it gives me a little bit of a leg up at least before we continue with two writers sling and yang a quick word from our sponsor hey this is Jeff Perlman and I'm here with my teenage daughter Casey and our good friend Sky so Sky I've really been struggling lately to communicate with Casey. Like, watch. Hey, Casey, you want to go get ice cream? Mm. Case, how would I teach you how to drive a car? Mm. Nothing works. Here's your problem, Mr. Perlman. Sky, you can call me Jeff. That's just weird. Oh. Mr. Perlman, you need to talk to Casey about things she's interested in. Teenagers don't care about food or driving. They want you to speak on their level, on topics that interest them. Oh, well, let me give this a try. Hey, Casey, I was thinking of going to 503sports.com and ordering you some USFL gear. Did you say 503 Sports? I did. You know, they sponsor this podcast, and they sell amazing throwback sports gear. USFL, XFL, World Football League, minor league baseball and hockey, all at amazing prices. Dad, you're the best. I'll take three Pittsburgh Mahler shirts, an Orlando Renegades hat, and um, a Tim Spencer Blitz jersey. You got it. I love you, Dad. Thanks for the help, Sky. You're welcome, Mr. Perlman. Okay, Dad. You can go now. I just want to say two things. Number one, it's weird that if you turn right around right now, I'm not even going to say it. Who is the picture of right behind you? No, right there. Closer to you. OJ? That's OJ Simpson staring over you. Um, Juice is just like eyeing me, and I I don't like it. Yeah, that's a little strange. But... Um, I was thinking that... Uh, As we talk about how young I am. Yeah, cool. yeah, the juice cool. is staring over you. Although, you want to know something funny? That's not actually O.J. Simpson. It's someone who looks like O.J. Simpson. It's Raymond Forshawn. I don't know who that is, what? but he's an actor. Yeah. Oh, look It's like a joke. I see that. That's like ominous and weird, and why would you be proud of that? <laughs> also, next to Michelle, an Oakland Raiders cheerleader. Why would you be proud of I don't know. looking yeah, weird, like O.J.? We're in a weird little... Hey, man, sweet brag. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask... Oh, Okay. It's 2015. This is our first time I think you wrote to me, maybe. Oh, we're back here. All right. Yeah, we're back. Let's we jump go. around on this podcast. Let's do it. Okay. It's a call. You wrote for the University Press. Yep. At Florida Atlantic, student newspaper. You were telling me you were a live-at-home uh, commuter student. Yep. Florida Atlantic. You were editor of the student newspaper. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely took a liking to you. Like, I just thought, like, you had real, like, freaking... You wrote me... And you know, you do this long enough, you'll get it too. Like, students write you. I already do. Right, exactly. We were talking about, like, um, and we're jumping around again, tangent, but we were talking about, like, how I approached you, like, like you're like this this amazing elder with all this knowledge and students do that to me now and I'm like yo we can we can talk like let me buy you a coffee and let's just talk please 
Yeah, that's good. You wrote a piece about an alleged gang rape at Florida Atlantic University. Correct. Which was a hardcore piece of journalism. You showed it to me. I mean, after it ran, you showed it to me. It's really good and really strong. And then, a week later, the Boca Raton Tribune. No, actually. Tell me, This correct happened me. first. All right, tell me, the, tell me the story. An alleged gang rape happened off campus, and I wrote a quick little brief on it. It later led to an 11-month investigative piece, okay. that I, and that was a whole other story. Okay. But I wrote a little brief on it, and then... About a week later, my managing editor calls me and he's like, hey, like, Managing editor of the student newspaper. Of my student newspaper calls me and he said, like, hey, like, your story, um, like, that brief is getting picked up. It looks like other papers are writing about it, but this one looks really similar to yours. Did they talk to you or anything? I was like, no, what do you mean? So he sent me the link and I'm looking at it and this is way too familiar. They basically stole graphs and graphs of my of my story and just put it in there as copy and pasted with no attribution at all. And then what happened? I'm going to let you just tell the story. It's one of my, oh, it's actually God. a great story. It was ridiculous. I mean, this was like my Because you first, actually wrote me very upset about this. This is my first week being editor. Um, I, like my name, my title hadn't even changed yet on the mass head or anything. I was you were a senior or junior? I was a junior. Okay. Yeah. Um, I hadn't, yeah, like, it was my first week into being editor, I just got plagiarized, I immediately called my advisor, and he said, let's send him an email first. So, he sent an email, like, advisor to the, I think the editor of the paper. No dice. Nothing. Nothing. Crickets. I sent an email to the editor, and maybe the publisher, I, it was a long time ago, <laughs> but um, I think I copied my advisor. Crickets. So... After, yeah, so um, we called, visited, called, called, my advisor called, other people called, <laughs> nothing. Kept getting dodged around. Oh, he's out of the office. Oh, no one's here. Voicemail, left voicemails. Nothing. For the writers, for the editors, or? For anyone. Okay. So I wrote a column because nothing else was happening. And do you, remember, do you have it there? I do, I do have it. The lead said, right. do you want to read it? Well, uh, Oh, no, I don't... You, you had it. You were in the previous tab. We can edit this. Okay. okay. Hold on. It was the tab you were just on. Yeah? Oh, this yeah. is your column. All right. Sure. Here we go. It's right in front of me. The name of it, the column is UP Editor Plagiarized by Boca Raton Tribune. The lead by Emily. May 22nd, 2015. At FAU, if I get caught plagiarizing a paper, I'll get an F. It would go on my transcript and on a repeat offense, I could get expelled. But if I do it at the Boca Raton Tribune, I'll get a paycheck. It's a good lead. They didn't like that. That's great. Three weeks ago, I wrote this story with a link about an alleged gang rape involving an FAU student. A week later, the Boca Raton Tribune posted a similar story. Link to that. Which the link, oddly, is no longer there. Hmm. If it looks familiar, that's because sections of it are literally the same word for word as mine. I've been plagiarized. Here's a photo of the Tribune's version written by Fred Hamilton. Is Fred still around in the business? Do we know? Fred, so another paper looked into this and uncovered that Fred Hamilton doesn't exist. Ghost, ghost name. That's the best. Yeah. Okay, so that's your lead. So what did you do? Like, how did it, how did this get resolved or not so resolved? So the column came out and. Almost immediately, I got this phone call from the publisher of the paper, not apologizing, yelling at me, threatening me, and saying, if I don't take my column down, he's going to pull all of the internships that he gives my little friends. And he actually said little yeah, friends? Yeah, like, it's on, like, um, an episode of Scooby-Doo. It was wild. And, um... Are you friends with many, uh, short-statured people? 
I mean, I'm pretty short, but no, because of that, I feel like most of my friends are taller than right. me, honestly. What are you, five, one? Five, two. Okay, right. So, yeah. Uh, my wife is only five feet, so you're a, you're a tower nice. compared to her. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. What was I going to say? So, yeah, he, he threatened to pull internships, and I was like, we don't want your internships. You plagiarize. Right, but, yeah, right. Um, like, but no, he was, like, super heated. Um, conversation just went in circles. He threatened to sue me, um, sue the paper, sue the school. Is there something like, scary about, even when you know you're right, having someone say, threaten to sue you? Yeah, as, like, a junior in college, I was, like, on the road with, a, with a, one of my best friends at the time. We were going to, like, a music festival, and I'm getting yelled at on the phone by this, like, scary old guy saying that, like, I'm never going to work in this business again, and he's going to sue me, and that, like, none of my friends will ever get internships. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's weird and scary and, like, upsetting. I was definitely, like, shaken by it. How did it resolve itself? Or... Um, other media started, like, other media saw my column and started calling the Boca Raton Tribune and covering the plagiarism. Wow. So, eventually so many papers were calling them and like trying to get a quote that he completely flipped the script and was like oh what Emily's doing is so noble to journalism and we want more reporters like her and our our reporter's been suspended later come Fred. to find out that Fred was didn't he Fred? exist no he was not Fred though I, I mean maybe he could have been mm-hmm. the New Times did a whole story about it um, uncovering Fred Hamilton they called like every Fred Hamilton that existed and like the publisher like came out so with like a description for the guy it was ridiculous right. but no, so he completely changed his tune within a couple days of like more media like putting pressure on him. He was like, "Oh yeah, what Emily did is so wonderful." And yeah. Let's say, let's say at the beginning you call him up. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? We just were really lazy. We're really sorry about that. We're gonna take the story down, change it. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Are you done? Or are you like? That would be it. That would yeah. be it. Yeah. And I would say. Give me a link back. Oh. Hyperlink back to our story. Yeah. Like, all I would have asked is, like, add some quotes in, attribute us, and hyperlink back to our story. I would have never blown it up. Right. It's a good experience, though. I think like yeah. those experiences are actually... I uh, So when I was in college, I... Uh, <laughs> we did an April Fool's issue at University of Delaware, mm-hmm. 1994. And we did a, a story... It's so wrong, it's not even funny. Midgets fight to take over Newark. The town is Newark, Delaware. And there is a short-statured student, which is the way you say it nowadays, I believe, um, who had gone to Delaware maybe 10 years earlier. And we had a photo in the file of him. So we took a photo of him, put a football helmet over his head so you couldn't see his head. And we ran the store. It was Midgets fight to take over Newark. His mom, the short-statured student, lived locally in Newark, Delaware, calls me up and threatens to have the little people of America picket the newspaper. I was so fucked up. I was like psyched. I was like, oh my God, that'd be amazing. We could cover that. That'd be a great story, right? (laughs) Um, But I do feel like experiences like these are invaluable. Oh, 100%. And actually, I always tell college students like, I'm not saying you should go out of your way to be reckless. You certainly should not. But if you don't take risks and you don't take shots and you don't try things, you're never going to get to because eventually you come to a place where it's much more regimented. Don't you agree? I mean, Absolutely. Kind of, yeah. I did an 11-month investigation. I always tell students, like, do weird shit right now because you're never going to get to, or at least not for, like, a long, long time yeah. into your career. You have all this blank space. Like, this is the time to do really weird shit. What was your 11-month investigation? Is this the rape? Yeah. Okay. Fascinating stuff here. So, uh... This is more college newspaper talk than I've ever had in this podcast. I'm uncomfortable. But you're young enough that's recent. Let's do it. Let's go for it. All right, Emily, March 29th, 2016. 
uh, was a party where student was allegedly gang raped last year to happen again. The Seb had almost exactly a year ago, an FAU student said she was gang raped at a fraternity tie party. Uh, police are still investigating and the party's about to happen again. Okay, you write this story, it yep. comes out, and I'm reading in the New Times, you caught a, uh, you got a lot of shit for that one. Oh yeah. Why, like, it seems like you reported it well and you reported it accurately. Yeah. Why the aftermath of that? It taught me a lot about college. It taught me that students want to pull, protect their parties more than they want to protect their students. Mm-hmm. It was scary and really damning, but all it showed me was that they were more worried, the student body was more worried about the, the party, the fraternity party being in jeopardy than the fact that like a student got raped at that fraternity party. Now, how'd you find out a student got raped? How'd that even come? So, it was a police report story. It actually was the brief that got plagiarized. Um, it was just a little blurb in the Boca Raton police report saying that a student said she was gang raped at a party. And I don't remember the exact wording, but basically it was vague wording that led me to looking up the flyer for that party. That party had like two different names and, and that's how I tied everything together. But And then... What kind of abuse did you get when you strike it <laughs> Well, 900 of our issues were taken from the bins and thrown into the trash. And I received threats on Twitter. I received threats in person. My photographer, one of my staff photographers, was threatened. And they said that they would like beat him up and take his camera if he didn't delete photos of them taking our issues and throwing them into the bins. Yep. It was just my staff would walk me to my car every day. It was, it was a lot. Was it worth it? Absolutely. It was? Why? Our newsroom was never closer than at that point. There was so much camaraderie because of that story and it showed all the newbies in our newsroom. This is the kind of stuff you could do at a student paper. You know what I mean? I was editor at the time and I would like for a period of every week, like let my managing editor be in charge and I would just go and like dig into this story. They knew I was doing something, but they didn't know all the details. And then that comes up on the cover and we're getting all this traction, we're getting all this media. And they just saw like what, you know, the power of the newspaper, right. as cheesy as it sounds. Because of that story, the party tightened up security. Um, and we tracked the police records over the years, and it was like the first time that nothing had been reported after that party. Though it wasn't an open bar anymore, it was a cash bar. They were IDing at the door instead of just being like reckless about it. So all of this stuff changed because of that story. You seem uh, joyfully, maybe naively, I don't know, like optimistic about journalism like you seem like you're like yeah journalism where a lot of people like the guy I had on this week he's my former colleague at the Tennessean and he's 54 and he lost his job and now he has another job but you know he's like uh, journalism the Tennessean I drove past the Tennessean last week and the building looks like shit they're moving out and blah 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 and yep. they're back. you seem optimistic is it just, are you just youthfully naive or do you feel like you have good reason here? No, I think I have good reason here. Number one, millennials are cool as shit. What? We, yeah, and we know our stuff. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Tell me why. I don't know if, I, I'm not saying, all right, go ahead. Make I your argument. A, I have a girl squad in my phone. It's a group chat of reporters that are all under 27. And we're all at different papers and kicking ass. I had one of my best friends in the world, her tweet went viral because she'd covered three mass shootings before she'd even turned 24. 
and she's doing it wonderfully and she's breaking huge stories about the Boca Raton mayor going to jail. Um, I have another um, reporter friend in Jacksonville who's at the Times Union and she's doing wonderful stories about um, education and about minorities and unjust things that are happening to different minority groups versus lily white people and I think that we're just more aware because we've grown up in a more I don't know progressive time that we just we want stories to be told we want stories to be told well and I think because we're not handed everything on a silver spoon because we have newspapers failing everywhere and J schools don't I didn't my school didn't have a J school I think we're forced to deal with stuff more tactfully so we just learn how to deal with it and do it. All that being said, I bet you can't tell me who sings this song. It's Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Oh, the millennial steps up. That's nice right. Job. I told you millennials right. are cool as nice shit. Nice job. Good work. Um, and also, a bunch of papers are unionizing right now, and those unions are being led by young people. There are young people that are signing their names to those papers. So, I don't know. I'm. It's easy to be sad, so I'm trying to be optimistic. Actually, this is interesting. Face-to-face right here. This is good. Do you look at a 46-year-old journalist? Do you look at someone like myself and do you see, like, do you think, like, and it's totally cool, like, do you think, like, yesterday's news, like, no. old, out of it, out of touch? You know what I mean? Like, do you kind of have... I know what you mean, but no, I mean, I approached you because I really liked your writing and your color and I wanted to learn how to do profile stories better. So, no. That's good. Um, all right, at least we, not yet. Yeah, right. Give me another one. Years. I know. Once you hit 50, man. So, um... May 22nd of this year, mm-hmm. you wrote a story that you seem very proud of, which is cool, you should be. 10-year-old piano prodigy wants people to know having autism is, quote, cool, yeah. unquote. Um, Tina Velasquez was in her kitchen when she heard someone sit down and start playing the grand piano in the other room. The Pembroke Pines resident figured it was her husband, Willie, returning, I love the name Willie, returning home from work early. It's so optimistic. Instead, she walked into the surprise of a lifetime, her not even four-year-old son, Jacob, at the Keys. And her kid's now 10, but he was four and he's playing this, you know, hardcore piano and he's now this great pianist. And um, number one, how do you find the story? And number two, I find interviewing kids hard in and of itself because they're just kids. I got to think interviewing an autistic kid might be a little even more difficult. Or does a kid not really matter because it's about the parents talking to you about the kid? It was, so that's a lot of questions all in one. That's how we do here. Piece by piece, I'm trying to break down what you asked me. First off, how I heard about the story, I have a million Google alerts set up for all the cities that I cover, Um, and one was for Pembroke Pines. And I read a story out of Clearwater that a boy from Pembroke Pines was playing with an orchestra there, and he was autistic, he was playing piano, and he was playing for this big um, annual, like, orchestra concert that was taking place that benefits... um, that benefits autism and autism awareness. So I thought, I thought, cool, they're from Pembroke Pines. Let me try and find at least like the mom's name and go from there. Maybe see if there was like something on social media, some videos on Twitter of this performance. I ended up finding out the mom's name and I reached out to her on Facebook of all platforms. I just said like, hey, I saw this video of your kid and I think this is amazing. I'd love to talk to you more about it. Immediately responded to me, sent me photos and videos and we just got to talking about Jacob, the boy, and, and how this all started and what he does. And they were just so excited to share. Um, and I later realized why, and it's because the reactions we were getting from the story, I was getting notes from, I got a note from a doctor in St. Is that the one you posted yes. here? Wait, so I'll just read it real quick, because you posted this on Facebook. 
This is a beautifully written and beautifully crafted piece, also very timely. It gives an optimistic outlook to patients and their families. I hope you win an award for this. Yeah, that's a great. Also, just getting a written note these days is so rare. So I got this written card and it came with a business card as well. So I called the man that sent me that note and it turns out he's a retired gynecologist who now in his free time as a retiree works with um, kids with developmental disabilities. And when he's not doing that, he works with people who have HIV. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm talking to a saint. That's great. Yeah, right. Um, But no, and he was telling me how he was going to share that article. And it was so cute because I asked him, I was like, doctor, do you, are you on the internet? Do you you email? Because that's like how old he was to give you an idea. But he was like, oh, yes, I can. Because he wanted to share the article with patients, with parents that were just finding out that their kids were autistic and wanting to know, like, where do we go from here? What does the future hold? He thought this would give them a glimmer of, like, optimism. Like, hey, your kid could be a prodigy pianist for all you know. You know what I mean? It doesn't stop you from doing anything. So he wants to share it with those patients, but he was like, but I sent you my only copy of the story. Oh, he, like, sent me the clip of the story. And I was like, well, are you on the internet? Can I can I email it to you? He's oh, yes. It's like at Verizon.com, right. like this old email address. But yeah, so I sent it to him and he was thrilled and I still get notes from him, like, talking about, like, patients' reactions to it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, uh, I always think it's a giveaway when someone goes, when you go, do you have email? And they say, yeah, I do. And I say, oh, well, what's your email address? And they go, okay, it's capital C, lowercase a, capital D, capital D, yes. at AOL.com. At Hotmail.com. That's so funny. It's my favorite. Hotmail? Yeah. Yeah, Hotmail. AOL is mine. I think, um, I, think, I think my mom still has AOL. I still have an AOL for spam. You do? Yeah, no shame. Right, that's all right. Um, what do you want to do? Like, what's the goal here? What's your ultimate, what's your career dream? Long dramatic pause. Oh God! Well, I was also chewing, so that like adds to the pasta. Yeah. But editorial, magazine editorial, just somewhere where I can tell long, narrative-driven, sexy profile stories, and I do that with the newspaper. So it could be at a newspaper, for all I know. And I've done that for luxury magazines before, and I've done that for alternative weeklies. So I don't really care where. I just want to make sure that I'm telling stories worth telling? Yeah. Where do you write? Final question. Where do you like to write? Where's your favorite place to write? Coffee shops. Ah! I mean, I'm a coffee fiend. Are you? Yeah. Oh, one You didn't even get a coffee with them when you got an iced tea. I, well, it's caffeine and I've, I've had enough today. You know there's caffeine and iced tea, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it still gives me a oh, caffeine fix. So how many coffees every day? I'd rather not. No, how many? For real? <laughs> Depends on the day. All right. Well, Mo, give me the range. Least to most. Least two. Okay. <laughs> most. <laughs> if you had I to say, what's the most coffee you ever had in a day? If you had to guess. Oh God! Like I keep count. Well, the thing is, like I live in South Florida, so like I grew up on like Cuban coffee, yeah, and super like, strong. well, the issue there is that like if a person orders like a colada, they're getting like the cup of Cuban coffee, and then the little cups that they like disperse it in, and I just don't disperse it. So I don't think. Keeping count is really fair because I'm probably having like giant cups of really strong coffee throughout the day. And will you write in a Dunkin' Donuts in a Starbucks or does it have to be a... I like local shops if I can, yeah. but it, I mean, if I have to, I need Wi-Fi, yeah, I'll go wherever I have to go. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Do your parents like your journals? Usually. Why? When 
I mean, they're proud of me and they like that I'm telling people stories and, and they're learning more about things going on around them because of it. I think it, like, my sister and I like to joke that it keeps them woke. But, um, when things are happening that are a little grittier or like that that gang rape story for instance and I was getting I was getting threats by I forgot to mention this I was getting threats from a former police officer like yeah they were terrified and I didn't even tell them about that story until I was on local news I was like I'm gonna be on TV tonight. I guess I probably have to tell them at this point. So I called them. I was like, "Hey, I just want to let you know I've been working on the story. It's getting a little bit of backlash, but it's really important. And I'm gonna be on TV tonight. So tune in at eight. Right. Okay. Love you. you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So usually, I mean, they're always proud. I like to think. Um, and usually they're stoked on it. But at times like that, they're worried and they're you know just worried about my safety, like any other parent. Emily, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you for having. You only had half your burger. Well, we got time. Talk a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Cool. All right, thanks. I want to thank today's guest, Emily Block, for joining me on Two Riders Slinging Yang. You can follow Emily on Twitter and Instagram at emdrums and read her stuff in the South Florida Sun Sentinel. This podcast is sponsored by 503 Sports, king of the throwback sports merchandise. You can visit the website at 503-sports.com. Also a reminder, my book about the USFL football for a buck is available for pre-sale now and out officially in September. One can listen to Two Riders Slinging Yang on Apple Music and Google Play, and reviews are always appreciated. Music is by the great MC White Owl. Thanks again for joining me, and remember, keep writing.